you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. And I am going to continue on with probably the last lesson of everyday Christian living. God is good. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. You may be seated. And I am going to teach today about which I labeled always rejoicing. And I, like I said, you know, this will be the last of, of everyday Christian living. And there's some things in the Bible that just tell us that you know, Christian living is just everyday living, doing stuff every day. And, you know, prayer, for example, the word of God, daily death, which is repentance and dying to ourselves and godly words where we are supposed to exhort one another daily, thankfulness, and we're supposed to give thanks for everything. And, you know, the basics, I really believe that the key to Christian living is just simply the basics, just being faithful to the basics. And, and um, you know, being faithful, the Bible tells us a steward is supposed to be faithful in his house. And the qualifications was just faithfulness. It wasn't any great, great abilities. It wasn't, a, it wasn't great abilities to uh, handle money or to be able to negotiate with people. It was just being faithful. Just be faithful. In fact, that's what we're going to be judged by is being faithful. And hopefully every one of us here hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And so, and we will not, we will not possess what we do not pursue. If we want, if we want a prayer life, if we want anything uh, from God, we're going to have to pursue it. There's a, there's a principle that uh, in Acts where it says, Peter says, save yourself for, from this untoward generation. There is a part that we have to do in our salvation that we are, it, we have a, we have a responsibility. So I have, um, I am extremely tired. <laughs> I tell you what, I can't even think straight. I, uh, we watched four grandchildren for three nights and we didn't get much sleep. And I thought, yes, last night I was going to get all this sleep and I ended up, I ended up studying. I studied and at 9.30 I said, oh, I'm going to go to bed and I'm going to get some good sleep and I just have a little bit to finish up in the morning. And I went to bed and I just felt, I did not feel good about what I was, how I was presenting this. And I sat there and tossed and turned. And finally, at, I think it was about midnight, I wrote myself some notes. And then maybe at 2 o'clock, I got up and sat in front of the computer. And, and I'm thinking, boy, I thought I couldn't be any tired during this morning. It's, and now, so like I said, I, and so I, and I didn't have enough time to even finish this because I started all over when I woke up this morning from other than what I did last night. 
And um, so I guess I hate, to, I hate to make excuses like that, but I just am not, my head isn't even clear. <laughs> it is just, it is bad. But one of, you know, one of the greatest Christian, the, one, of the, one of the greatest benefits, there's some great benefits with Christian living. There is some, you know, having a purpose in life, you know, to, to, to wander around aimlessly with no purpose, and I, I've been there. You're chasing after all those dreams and all those things that you think satisfy and, and make you happy, and, and I chased those with no purpose, and, and when I had a purpose, it was, it was so fulfilling to know that I have a purpose in life, I, and to have, um, have peace, to have peace in life, or you can go through, you know, peace isn't exact, uh, 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 doesn't mean that we're exempt or we, there is no calamity going on, no problems going on or anything like that. Peace, what God's peace is, is it gives you, it gives, God gives you a peace in those things. We have a peace and we have, and you know, another great benefit is the joy we receive from God. The joy, you know, we, we go through trials, experience sorrow and times of unhappiness, which are caused by the circumstances of life. God didn't, God didn't promise us that we were going to be happy. He didn't, he didn't guarantee that. He, but no matter how challenging or difficult they can be, we have an opportunity to receive supernatural joy. We can have joy through any kind of circumstance. And, and I, could tell, I could tell you my circumstances that I've gone through, the circumstances of life that I've gone through that God gave me joy in. And it, it, um, it, is, a, it is a great benefit. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says rejoice evermore. So in other words, it, it means always be joyful. Always be joyful. And, the, the scripture I read, Philippians 4.4, 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. So then Paul, he says, he says rejoice in the Lord always, and, and again I say rejoice in, in verse 4 and verse, chapter 4 and verse 4. And then Philippians chapter 1 and 3 says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. So twice in Philippians, and then when he gets to 4.4, 4, he said, and again I say rejoice. And it's, this is, um, it's actually a commandment. And that, I really struggled with that. I really struggled with that yesterday when I was, and I had, I had, unfortunately, my problem was I had 28 pages of notes. I, it's been a long time. I've been studying this for a long time and I had 28 pages of notes to go from and I put it together and when I got done, I had a tough time with that. And because we are commanded, we are commanded to rejoice. We're commanded to be joyful. And I heard, I remember hearing a quote by Charles Spurgeon, I don't know how long ago it was. I heard it and I, I knew the just of it. I, and so I typed, I went into Google and I typed it in and it came up on the Google search and it was, actually it was from his message, a joy, a duty is what the message was. And he says, this is the quote, what a gracious God we serve who makes delight to be a duty and who commands us 
to rejoice. He commands us to rejoice, makes delight a duty. And God is, God is a gracious God. He's a great God. He gives us the opportunity to, to live a joyful life. We can live a joyful life. And I was thinking about this. And when I, when I found that quotation, I was thinking about it. And I thought, you know, as a parent, I could see myself saying, you're, gonna, you're going to have joy if I have to beat it into you. I could see saying that to my kids. But then I thought about that and I thought, you know what? This joy that God gives us, nobody can even beat it out of us. It can't even be beaten out of us. And, in, and the apostles, they tried doing it to the apostles in, in Acts chapter 5 and verse 40 through 41. And when they, they came before the leaders, the apostles came before the leaders and, and of course the persecution was a, it was a gradual thing. It was to say, tell them to stop and then to beat them. And then, I mean, it progressively got worse. But here, and, and to, to him they agreed. And, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. They couldn't even beat joy out of the apostles it can't be if the joy that God gives us it can't be beaten out of us and I want to I guess I would like to touch on this you know the the when the Bible speaks of rejoicing it, it is speaking of worship it, it it is speaking of but this is only one aspect of rejoicing we would be doing a great misjustice to the Bible to limit rejoicing and joy to about a half hour a week on a Sunday morning in our climate-controlled church with padded pews. Rejoicing and, jo rejoicing and joy is that, but it is much more. It's much more than, than a Sunday morning in this church. Because, well, if we're supposed to do it, well, I won't say that. I'll just wait till I get to it. So these, these commandments leave no room for not rejoicing. Paul says Christians are to rejoice always, not sometimes, periodically, or occasionally. He add, and then he adds, and again, I say rejoice. Rejoice always, not just sometimes. <clears throat> and Philippians chapter 4 and verse, well, actually the book of Philippians is one of the four epistles that, are, that, that Paul wrote that are considered the jail epistles. So he wrote this from a jail. He didn't write this from, you know, I don't have much of an office right now, but at, at uh, our apartment, but I had a really nice office with all my books on bookshelves. I had, I had a lot of bookshelves, a lot of a big, a big desk, and of course it was air conditioned and heated in there. I had a nice, comfortable chair, and it wasn't written. Paul didn't write it from there. He wrote this. He wrote this from a jail, and it. Um, it could have been a, a, I guess we're not sure, 
because Roman jails in the time of Christ, about or the first century, were they were meant, they were not a good place to visit. They were harsh. They were they had they were underground. They had uh, limited light. If you were in the inner courts, there was limited light. There would be it would be harsh. In fact, the conditions were so harsh that it was meant to deter crime. They, if people would have to go there, they would decide. You know what? I probably shouldn't do this because I would. If I get caught, I'm going to have to go to prison, and it, it is not a good. It's not a good situation. Or he could have been in house arrest, which means he would have no freedom. He would be shackled to a guard. And I remember years ago, Brother Walters saying this, so I don't know where he found this. I've never come across this. Not, I'm not saying that it isn't out there. What I'm saying is I haven't seen it yet. But Brother Walters talked about Paul. He said Paul was, would, they would have to change guards like every 15 minutes because he would end up converting the guard he would end up witnessing to the guard, so the, the Romans would change the guard so he, he would only have like 15 minutes to, to witness to the, to the guard so he couldn't keep winning all these, these Roman guards. So it, he could have been under house arrest, which means he would be, it would be better conditions. He would have absolutely no freedom. He could see uh, visitors, and, but he would be responsible for his food, his clothing, anything he needed, he would have to supply it himself or have somebody supplied for him. Of course, that's what it would have had to been because he had no way of supplying it. And so these were not good conditions. He is, he's writing this he's, and he's telling us, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice from a prison cell. That's where he's writing it. He's not writing it in, in the United States of America where we have everything. We don't worry about having food. We don't worry about having shelter. We don't worry about any of that stuff. But most, most everybody is that way, right? I'm not saying that there are some people that do worry about those things, but we live in America, the land of plenty. And um, that where, that's, where it's, that's where he wrote this epistle. So, Psalms 16, verse 11 says, Thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. God is a joyful God. God is a joyful God. You know, thinking about this I understand I understand how life is um, I'm 62 years of age and I remember when I was younger I remember even if even if we go out if we leave this this uh, sanctuary and we go out for something to eat you will find that younger younger people are have a um, uh, you know they're they're smiling more. You know you get you get some teenage boys together, some teenage girls together. You know they they will be laughing and and carrying on. And I remember 
I remember that. I remember, I remember practical jokes. I've, Joel and I worked together and he's chuckling just with me mentioning this. We, there were so many practical jokes that got played and we were, I don't know, 30s in our 30s and 40s and we've had, we just had a great time. We had, and I remember going out to eat one time with Joel Shelly and I and, and Joel and Fran went out to eat. This is some, quite a few years ago, we went out to eat. And we, were, we went to Fiesta Villa. And I remember we were just crying, laughing. We were telling stories and jokes and uh, not, probably not jokes. I'm not, I don't remember if we told jokes. But stories and things that happened, all this. And we were just crying, laughing, and, and out of the blue, some guy comes walking up that a, actually Joel and I knew that he, he worked at the refinery, and he stopped, and he goes, whatever you guys are having, I want some. And we were, we had water. <laughs> but we were just having a good time. We were just having a good time. So I, I know what it's like when, I know what it's like that your face all of a sudden turns that there's a... You have a natural frown on your face as you get older, right? I know what that's like. I know what it's like to be a little more grouchy and not so. But God, God is always joyful. He's always joyful. It doesn't matter if it's age. doesn't matter if it's a circumstance. He's a joyful God. And, and we are supposed to be like him. That is our, our goal is to be more like Jesus, right? So that means we need to be loving. We need to have peace and joy. So we, we serve a joyful God. And God is, is telling us that he's actually commanding us to be joyful. And it, you know, I just, uh, you know, I've said this before. I'm trying to think of which lesson I said this. Uh, oh, thankfulness. You know, unthankfulness is a sin. And is being, is not being joyful, is that a sin? If we're commanded to be joyful, is that a sin? Oh, that's, how, that's tough to swallow, isn't it? It's really tough to swallow. It's tough for me to even say something like that. It's, you know, and, and but we serve a joyful God. In Luke chapter Luke chapter 4, verse 18 through 21, it's when Jesus shows up at the synagogue and he starts, he starts reading from Isaiah and he says, so he actually says what his mission is, right? He says, he says what his mission is on earth. He reads it and he says, now this day is, this scripture's fulfilled in your ears. I think that's how it goes. When he gets done, he closes the book. Yep. And he began to say, this day is a scripture fulfilled in your ears. He says that to him. And he, so he gives this scripture. But if you, that's actually coming from Isaiah chapter 61. And he reads chapter 1 and 2. He quotes that. And then chapter 3, which is, is, is the, also Jesus' mission on this earth. It's talking about the Messiah and his mission. And it says, to appoint unto them the that mourn in Zion to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, 
and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. So he's, man, that's quite a, that's quite a statement, isn't it? But he's given that, he's came to, his mission was to give the oil of joy for mourning, to give joy, and, and also the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Boy, what a, what a blessing for us. What a great God we serve. And it was one of, the, one of his missions. And then in Romans chapter 14, verse 17, Romans chapter 14, verse 17, it says, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So one of the, I don't know, I put down here three, I don't know, I, I would say three pillars of the kingdom of God because the Holy Ghost is the, I would say the driving factor in the righteousness, peace, and the joy. So I didn't, I put four question mark, but the three pillars of the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what, that's what Jesus came. And when we enter the kingdom of God, when I taught about that, I don't know, last year or sometime ago, you know, I read this scripture about the kingdom of God and, and one of the things about it that is available and one of the things, the three things that are mentioned here is joy in the kingdom of God. There's joy. And I, I had this actually in my computer. I don't know, I wrote, I don't even remember writing this. I put down, you know, because it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, the opposite would be iniquity. And I'm sure I found that by just looking at the, the synonyms, the antonyms, and, and, the, and the, the definition. And peace, with lack of peace is shown with our, with our troubled mind, fear, fearfulness, being disturbed and upset, and then joy, need to have fun. So I put this in joy. I said, need to have fun because of the lack of joy. We substitute fun for joy. We substitute fun for joy. There is a substitute, right? If God, if God has something for us, there's a substitute that's available for us. And I One of the things about it, it, you know, to me, to me when I, when I, when I'm, when I'm studying for this, it convicts me. It convicts me because it's like, you know, do I have, do I have the joy that the Bible is really talking? And I know, I know when it gets down to the nitty gritty, I've been there, I've done that that the joy will end up popping up. I know that. I know that. But I'm, I'm, in everyday life, do I have the joy that the Bible is talking about? It convicts me. It will, on the one hand, it'll kick, it convict me, but it, it also attracts me, right? Because I think, you know, there's so much available for me. It, there's a scripture that says there is... Um, uh, there, God will not withhold anything from them that walk uprightly. 
And I think that's a beautiful scripture, right? Because he won't, he's not willing, he doesn't want to withhold joy from us. He doesn't want to hold it. In fact, it's up to us. It's up to us. So, the Holy Ghost is the true source of lasting joy. You know, we can, we can have all these. We, we understand, and I'm, I know you guys understand that we can, we can chase after the fun, the substitute joy in this world. We can chase that, and it all, when you, it's like chasing the rainbow, right? You never get to the end of the rainbow. It, it, you grab it, and it just disappears. Not the rainbow, but joy, the, the substitute joy that, that this world provides for us. Because it, it provides peace for us, right? The Bible tells, what does Jesus say? The peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. Not as the world gives. So the world gives a peace. The world gives a joy. A substitute joy that we try grabbing a hold of. And we can never grab it. And it, it, is, it is the true source, the Holy Ghost. Romans, and I, I've read these before, Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Psalms, Psalms 16, 11, thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At the right hand are the pleasures forevermore. And, and the reality of that how many times have I seen it? How many times? I've seen it in my own life when I received the Holy Ghost. I remember, I remember carpooling with a guy at work. We carpooled for, for years. And, and that morning, that's that Monday morning after I received the Holy Ghost, I got and he would drive a company truck to the bottom of my driveway and I would... I would, whatever time we came in, I don't remember what time, I would get out of the house and go walk into the, get into the truck and he would, we would go to, go to uh, work together. And this morning was different. I received the Holy Ghost the night before in, a, in our living room and I got up and I remember going, walking down the end of the driveway and I opened up the door and I got in the door and he said to me, you received the Holy Ghost, didn't you? There was something different. There was some, and how many times have we seen that? We've seen it when people received the Holy Ghost. Even, you know, um, let's see, how should I say this? Well, I'll say it this way. <laughs> so we were watching our grandkids. And Sarah puts on, gets the iPhone, and she puts some music on. And there was some children's music that they were listening to. And so she puts it on and all of a sudden a song comes on and pretty soon Gavin starts dancing around the living room. Macy is dancing around the living room. And Elliot and Layla are sitting on the couch with me and Layla jumps off the couch and pretty soon he's dancing around the living, or she's dancing around the living room. One years old and she's, uh, she's dancing around and... and um, and Elliot is sitting there. Elliot sits there, and I ask the question. I go, I go, does Elliot dance? 
around? And, and they go, no, he never does. He never dances. So I understand there, there, there are more people that are inclined to be, to be from birth, whatever, that are going to be more joyful or they're going to express joy. I'm really not sure exactly how that goes and what to say about it. I'm not making excuses. I'm not, I, I'm not making excuses. And, but, for example, and, um, I, boy, should I... Well, there are times when people receive the Holy Ghost, they might be an introvert. They might be an introvert, and they don't want to be in front of people. And, and I remember when, when Shelley received the Holy Ghost... She was on, let's see, it would have been that side of the, at the old church. And I remember she was up, she was worshiping and she's an introvert. And she was, pretty soon she was, she had her eyes closed and she actually turned completely around and faced the church and she received the Holy Ghost. And I remember her telling me when she opened her eyes, she was like in shock. You know, everybody's, everybody's looking at, she don't want to be the center of attention. And so everybody is different in that, but there you will see something. There will be joy. Somebody that, that it happened last week. I'll just say that. Brian received the Holy Ghost, and he, he, you can tell he's an introvert. And I understand that. I know what it's like. I'm an introvert. I understand that. And but... With that, you could see that little smile on his face. Something happened. In fact, when I see, when I see some, somebody receive the Holy Ghost and there's no reaction, I question, right? I, kind of, I go, well, you know, I don't, I'm not the judge of it. You know, if they say they received the Holy Ghost, they received the Holy Ghost, I'll have, but I'm sitting there thinking, I know, I've seen the, up at camp when at couples retreat when Brad uh, well I can't think of sister Darlene's uh, boy is her son Brad I can't Jensen I think it's Brad Jensen right and and he he ended up receiving the Holy Ghost he got baptized received the Holy Ghost he about he the tank was in the, brought it into the, the old tabernacle, he about emptied that tank when he was jumping around so much. There was water everywhere. And then he got done. He was hugging everybody. Everybody. Well, of course, love is the other thing, right? We receive love. When we receive the Holy Ghost, God is love. We receive God. We receive love. So he's hugging everybody. And that's where Brother Paulson talks about I remember how he saw, he's talked about that before where a good old dose of the Holy Ghost, you start loving everybody in, in church. You know, it's, you, it's, that's, love does that. God's spirit does that to us. And, and God, we receive joy when we receive the Holy Ghost. We receive, boy, I remember, man, I was, man, I was flying high for a long time because it was what I was looking for. I mean, it was everything I was looking for. It was, it was the power to, to defeat sin. It was the joy and the love. And from going from a person that, was, that, was, that said in my mind, hey, I'd, I would just love to just, if I could just get a cabin 
and go into the mountains and live in the mountains and just be away from people. They're just nothing but trouble. And, and it was everything. It changed everything in my life when I received the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> and, boy, time is it? Yeah. So the other, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and verse 23, this kind of backs it up too. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is joy. So if, of course, the initial evidence of receiving the Holy Ghost is speaking in tongues, we know that people receive, I know I received the, the Holy Ghost because, not because I had joy, that was, that came along with it, because it, um, trying to think of the, the verse, there was great joy in where? It's the Samaria, Samaria, there was great joy, there was great joy, but they didn't receive the Holy Ghost. So you can have great joy you can, ha you can have, there can be joy, there could be miracles, things going on, but they didn't receive the Holy Ghost. But the, we know we receive the Holy Ghost, not because, because we get some goosebumps or anything like that. We know the Bible evidence of receiving the Holy Ghost is that we speak in other tongues. And I remember receiving the Holy Ghost and I was speaking in tongues. And I also... The thing that comes along with receiving the Holy Ghost that comes when you, re you receive God's Spirit, you receive love. And the fruit of the Spirit, the initial evidence. But the proof of God working in his, our lives, right, is, is the fruit of the Spirit. Somebody just asked me that about somebody. Well, what, where, you know, I said, well, he's, I said something about, oh, you know, he's a good man, so whatever, you know, and well, what's, what's his, what's the fruit of his, of the spirit in his life? So it's like, okay, well, you know, so, so the, you know, the evidence that we are, we are in God, we are, um, I'm trying, well, I just lost the word, but we, we are uh, growing in God is that we have the fruit of the Spirit, which is joy. And then, one of the biggest things in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4, it says, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. So, we're supposed to rejoice in God. We, have, we rejoice for who he is, He's, he's loving to us, he's kind to us, he's patient, patient to us, he's merciful to us. The list goes on and on. Who he is, who he is, he's, and we rejoice for what he's done. He's done, he died for all mankind, right? But also, he's done stuff personally for me. He's done personally, things personally for you. So other than being a great God and being dying for our sins, doing, uh, dying for a, a wretch like us, right? Dying for us, he did that for the world. 
But beside that, all of the things that he did for me personally and for you personally, we rejoice in those things. We rejoice who we are in him. We're complete in him. We're a friend of his. We're a child of his. We're his son or his daughter. We're perfect in him. So we, replay, we, we in the Lord, so we, we rejoice in the, in the Lord. We don't rejoice in our job, our bank account, our marriage, our kids, not in other people, houses, car, material things, vacations, experiences, hobbies, physical activities. The list goes on and on. And of course, God is not wanting us to not have a good time on life, in, in our life on this earth. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that we have to understand that everything we rejoice in comes from God. God is the source of it. But if we have, if we have a nice car, and we, you know, I'm thankful, I'm thankful for any car I have. I, I just am. It doesn't take... I'm, I'm thankful that I have a nice car, but I really, it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter what kind of car I have. As long as I have a reliable car, I'm thankful for it. And, you know, and I have a really nice car now. And I am thankful that God has given me a really nice car. And so, I, but God gave it to me. And, I, and we rejoice in in what God, these, the source has to be traced back to God, has to be traced back. Everything, everything, what is the scripture about? Everything, uh, oh boy, about good gift, I can't even think. But anyhow, it comes from above, from the Father of lights, something like that. I can't think of it right now. But... <laughs> Should have somebody else up here that has a brain that isn't mush today. <laughs> oh boy. So in the Lord, we can't, Jesus is the source of true joy, and we must acknowledge that it's coming from Him. You know what? I, I thought about this when I was when I was thinking about this. I thought about when I was, I don't know what grade I was in. And they taught about the 1929 market crash. And there was, what, Black Tuesday and Black Thursday? I can't remember. Is that what it was? Remember, Brother Derek? Black Thursday. So they, it dropped, the, and it was a huge drop. And they say, you know, it was back then, I remember being taught that that was the beginning of the Great Depression. And going into the, the 30s and the, the Great Depression. And I thought, and I remember my teacher telling me that what ha the suicides that happened when these, the, the market crashed and people had all their money in the market because it was, a, it was a, a great expansion. The market was going up and it crashed and all the suicides of people jumping out of, out of, um, uh, buildings in New York City jumping out of the windows of building and, and dying because they lost everything and actually so I thought about that and I so I thought well I wonder I wonder if that you know what what was the story on that so I looked it up and so they I found a study that they did and they started this study in 1929 and I don't know what year 
what year they did it. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty current study. But they found out that the suicide rate, the overall suicide rate and the suicide rate specifically from ages males, age 25 to 65, when, when the economy is doing well, that and there's physical there is financial prosperity in America that the the actual suicide rate goes down and as as soon as as soon as the 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 stock market and the financial situation in America goes the other way the suicide rate actually goes up and they 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 just found that that that's what it correlates with the economy and it's interesting because you know if we put our we have our joy and our hope in in you know material things when those material things go away so does the joy and hope right and that's what happens we can oh boy we can get we can get joy from the word of God. We can get joy from the, I don't know if anybody's getting joy from the preached word of God today, but, but um, we can get joy from the preached word of God, right? I mean, there are times, you know, I, of course, I'm that introvert, right? I don't like to draw attention to myself. I don't like to be up here. I'm not a big fan of that. And um, there are times, this just happened, it happened at camp. I don't remember. It was like Thursday teaching at camp, and I thought I was going to come unglued. I sat there, and the Spirit of God came over me, and it was, I, I just want to just scream, but I don't. I don't. You know, that's my personality, but it just is like, I, I, at some point, I'm going to just do it. But over the years, that has happened to me. Numerous times, numerous times where they'll be preaching on holiness or something like that. I remember one time, I don't remember, it might have been Brother Chuppie. It was Brother Chuppie or Brother Walters, and I wanted to scream out. They were, they were preaching, and I wanted to scream out, I love this message. I wanted to scream that out, and I didn't. I remember, I, in fact, I think it was Brother Chuppie, because I said, I said that to him, and he goes, well, why didn't you? He said, the place probably would have came unglued. You know? And I suppose that's probably what happens. If somebody that typically don't speak up, and then somebody doesn't usually dance, if somebody does that, that's the place. If it's just Gabe dancing, well, he does that all the time, right? <laughs> but that's his personality, right? So... I, I can tell you there are times the word of God was like, I, I was going to explode. I, that's what it felt like. Is like when that happens, it feels like I'm going to explode. And it felt that way at camp. I started bawling. And then all of a sudden, Brother Ben Lee, which I heard, he stood up to just amen. And all of a sudden, he gave a tongues. He was just going to confirm the preaching, and all of a sudden he said it, it just hit him, and he gave, a, he gave a tongues. And it was like, it was powerful. It was powerful. And um, so the word of God, it, 
Oh, I love Psalms 19 and 8. I remember Cody in, in quizzing. Um, this was from Doctrine in, in quizzing when he was a junior quizzer. Psalms 19 and 8. The statues of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the, of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Rejoicing the heart. The statues of the Lord. So... And one last thing, let's stand. Well, I guess two scriptures. You know, one of the things that brings us joy, it should bring us joy. You know, and I think we kind of get, we might, we might have to have a, uh, an effort to, to remember this, is that Psalms uh, 51 and verse 12 is, it says, David in Psalms 51, and he was preaching his, or he was, he was repenting of his sin. And he said this in Psalms 51, 12, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. So there's a joy in salvation, right? There should be. There should be a joy. For us, there should be a joy in salvation. And if we lose that joy in salvation, we have to get it back. We, for whatever reason that we don't have it. So... Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let's pray as we're dismissed. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and kindness. Lord, we pray that you'd help each and every one of us to, to rejoice in your word, to rejoice in your salvation, to rejoice in who you are, Lord. You're a great God, and you're deserving of our praise, and we thank you for giving us joy and peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Jesus. You're a great God. Precious name. You're dismissed for a little while in Jesus' name.